Double ignorance is considered by the classic Greek philosophers at least to be the cause of humanity's woes and sorrows, especially those which were avoidable. So what is this teaching of double ignorance? How does it relate to us in the world? How does it affect our life? And in particular, how as spiritual practitioners can we benefit from the understanding of this ancient teaching, apply it in our own day-to-day -day lives as well as in our spiritual disciplines? That's what we'll be covering in today's episode. If you like the video, please make sure to like and to subscribe to the channel. Enjoy! What is double ignorance? Well, essentially, it's everything that's wrong with the world. If we look around and we, we kind of see how things are going wrong in different places, uh, even in our own lives, and our own relationships, with our health, with everything, we can more or less pin it on this issue of double ignorance. So what is it exactly? Well, Plato defines it in his dialogue, The Alcibiades, when he kind of introduces this doctrine or this concept of, uh, of knowledge. He introduces it as when we believe ourselves or think ourselves to know something that we actually do not know. In other words, double ignorance is when you don't know that you don't know something. And this ends up in uh, classic Platonic philosophy as really being the cause of all of our issues, that we make mistakes primarily because we are unable to recognize the fact that we don't know the things that we think we know, and that actually the lion's share, the great bulk of our opinions, our ideologies, our belief structures, our conceptions about the world, are completely uninvestigated. They've been inherited from other people. They've been inherited from childhood experiences and life experiences. We've never investigated them or inquired into them. We've never tried to evaluate their truth. There's no criteria that we make most of our opinions and beliefs have to answer to. And because there's no criteria for knowledge, for what we consider uh, to judge our knowledge, we end up believing ourselves to know a lot of things that we just simply don't know. We can see examples of this, both in our private lives and in public lives. Many politicians, for example, nowadays especially, uh, believe themselves to know that they know how to govern, when they really have no reason to believe that they know how to govern. They've never actually uh, gone into the subject and investigated what might be a good governor and what might be best for the governed and what is good in the actual art of governing. Uh, instead, maybe they just have some ideas about what they could do or what they could change in the world or in their state or in their country. But they actually have no expertise in any of those subjects. Many of them haven't studied law. Many of them are really just using rhetoric. And rhetoric is uh, generally trying to persuade people using their own double ignorance against them and trying to get them to believe whatever it is that you wish them to believe. We have double ignorance in our own lives with very simple things. For example, uh, a relationship. And we may have ideas that we're very fixated on about what a good relationship is. And because of these ideas, which we've never actually investigated, we've never actually tried to see their source, why do we think this is what's necessary in a relationship? Why do we think this is what makes a good partnership or a marriage? Uh, because we've never investigated those things, we've never actually seen where these beliefs come from. We have no idea where they come from. Maybe we inherited them from our parents watching their relationship. Maybe we inherited it from TV and something that we enjoyed on TV, a relationship that we idolized on television when we were growing up. We don't really know necessarily where our ideas and conceptions about relationships arose from. We just know now that this is what a good relationship needs. And then despite our best efforts, our relationships continue to fail or suffer. Or there continues to be a great deal of 
conflict in them. And then eventually, because both people in the relationship are unable to actually examine what a good relationship may be, the relationship ultimately fails. Essentially, the teaching of double ignorance is a way of understanding what opinion and belief really is. Why is it that we have certain opinions, certain conceptions or conditionings about the way that the world is, the way we are, the way our relationships are, and other such things, when we haven't actually tried to investigate for a moment really deeply to see if our beliefs hold water, to see if our beliefs can stand up to any basic logical inquiry. Most adults can't even stand up to the logical inquiry of a child when the child continues to ask them why, because the adult has never thought really further than one or two whys, whereas the child really wants to fully understand why is it you're doing what you're doing? Why do you believe what you believe? What is the basis of your actions? Because your opinions and your beliefs end up forming the basis of all of your activity. They drive all of your worldly actions and your spiritual and psychological actions. Plato, in his dialogue, The Alcibiades, creates this kind of threefold relationship to knowledge. The first level is that we know that we know something. This is when we undoubtedly know something. We learned it from someone who knew it, or we learned it through our own personal inquiry and investigation. And it's far beyond the scope of today's episode to go into Plato's concepts of, of knowledge entirely. The second level is when we know that we don't know something. So this is really seen as one of the primary purposes of philosophy, not to give us necessarily a bunch of things that we know, but instead rather to purify us from all the things we think we know but actually don't and return us to a kind of simple state of just knowing that we don't know. Sometimes in Zen Buddhism, this is called don't know mind. Right, which is another way of sometimes referring to no mind or enlightened mind, which Socrates seems to have if you read the dialogues. So this kind of abandoning of double ignorance for single ignorance is seen as, is seen as an incredibly purifying and powerful spiritual act and philosophic act. The third relationship we can have to knowledge is what we call opinion or belief or particularly unvalidated opinion. Okay, So we can have correct opinions that are correct on accident. Right? Aristotle talks about this. We can have uh, an opinion that just so happens to be right, even though we don't understand why the opinion was right. It was just some kind of inherited knowledge, and whoever we learned it from or heard it from uh, themselves maybe uh, knew why it was right. But many of our opinions are completely unvalidated. We don't necessarily know where they came from. We don't necessarily know how we inherited them and what their purpose is. And in fact, upon investigation, if somebody were to deeply inquire with you and go, in, go into the matter with you over certain subjects in life, such as what is life about? What is important in life? Is there life after death? Uh, what is the merit of a good relationship, of a good marriage? Should you be healthy or not? You know, these kinds of things. If people went into it with you, you might find that you contradict yourself in many places. And this is the issue with opinions, is that they're not harmonized. They tend to be quite chaotic and disorganized. And we don't recognize that because we don't investigate them. We don't have to uh, prove our opinions to ourselves, which ends up being quite a problem because the moment we uh, are kind of attacked by somebody who's inquiring into our opinions and why we believe what we believe, we become incredibly defensive because we realize we really don't have much of a reason to believe many of the things we believe. And this leads to us being unable to act properly. This is one of the essential points of the teaching of double ignorance, is that if I don't know something, but I think I know it. I'm going to be unable to act properly towards that thing. For example, if, I, if my car breaks down 
And I believe that I can fix my car for no other reason than that it's my car. I've driven it many times, so I should know it better than other people. Or I just don't want to admit that maybe I don't know how to fix it. At least for me, myself not being a car mechanic, I'll break my car. Because in my mind, I'm trying to do something that I don't actually know how to do. Likewise, if a governor is trying to govern, and the governor, the politician, doesn't know anything about governing, they can't possibly do what is good for the governed. They can't possibly do what is good for the governing itself and for the people that are being governed by the politician, for the state, for the city, for the country, and so on. When we act without knowledge of what it is we're doing, we will often just accidentally destroy the thing that we're trying to act upon. Take, for example, our relationships with others, our relationship with our spouse, if we don't understand necessarily what's happening in the relationship, if we're unable to examine some of our own belief structures about a relationship, then we're unable to really fix the relationship because we don't understand it. If I don't really know what something is, I'm completely unable to do what is good for it. Any uh, attempt to do what is good for it will at best on accident prove somewhat beneficial. But it wasn't because of my own understanding. It wasn't because of something I knew to do. So how does this relate to a spiritual practitioner? Well, from the perspective of philosophy, especially Platonic philosophy, the chief thing that we have double ignorance about is ourselves. We believe that we are the chief authority on who we are because we've had many, many experiences with ourselves. Yet, just like how you may have had many experiences with your own vehicle, with your own car, that doesn't necessarily mean you know how to fix it. It doesn't mean you actually understand what a vehicle is. Just because you're living your life doesn't mean you actually understand your life. doesn't mean you actually understand what it is to be alive, what it is to be a living, conscious, rational being. The spiritual path is said to be really the aim of human existence, especially self-knowledge or realization, enlightenment. But if we don't even understand our own existence, if we don't understand what it is to be alive, we certainly can't understand a concept that is supposed to be what's best for us. Because why is it best for us? Why should somebody want enlightenment? This is another issue many spiritual practitioners face, is that upon any basic line of inquiry, they have no reason why they're practicing. They have no idea why they're practicing. They don't know why they want to be enlightened. It just seemed like a nice shiny thing that somebody mentioned once. So they, and they thought to themselves, ooh, I want that. I want that shiny thing. I don't want to miss out. I don't want somebody to achieve a state that I haven't experienced. I don't want someone to have peace and happiness that I haven't experienced. Or they run towards it because they think it will give them some safety or some protection from something because they've, they've never investigated the issue. How can you know what is best for yourself as a human being? as a living being, as a living conscious entity? How can you know what is best for yourself if you have never spent any time inquiring into yourself? How can you know, how can you even begin to fathom what enlightenment might be if you have no idea about the thing that itself becomes enlightened? Is there a thing that becomes enlightened? Is there a transformation that happens from unenlightened to enlightened? These are issues that any spiritual practitioner needs to delve deeply into. They also need to understand their own purposes for practice. If you have many people, that they, they just have no reason. They have no idea. They can't stand up to a basic line of inquiry as to why do they think this is important? Why should they pursue it? Why should they dedicate their life to it? Why should they be willing to even let go of different experiences, different relationships in their life for the sake of it? other than just repeating, like a parrot, different lines from the scriptures or different lines from spiritual teachers without, have, without having ever inquired into it themselves deeply. The entire purpose of the teaching of double ignorance is for us to evaluate our own beliefs and opinions about some of the most important things in life, 
to purify ourselves of double ignorance and move to a place of single ignorance, which itself is a kind of knowledge. I know that I do not know. And therefore, I can either give up the searching entirely, or, more importantly, from the philosophic perspective, I can now begin to actually learn. Because like Plato says in the Alcibiades, he says, My friend, have you ever known somebody to try to learn something that they thought they already knew? And this becomes one of the biggest issues on the spiritual path and worldly life. It doesn't matter. If we think we know something, we're never going to actually try to learn it. And there are so many things in life that we think we know that we really don't know. And therefore, that those opinions and those beliefs are keeping us from growing, from learning, from developing, from transforming, from educating ourselves. And then after that, from helping others and to helping educate and transform others as well. If I have admitted as a spiritual practitioner that I do not know who I am, then and only then, when I've completely accepted that fact, only then can I begin the actual path of self-inquiry, atma vichar. Only then can I actually begin to ask, well, who am I? But I can't ask this famous question, who am I, which is at the heart of all philosophy, the heart of all spirituality. I can't ask myself this question if my head is still full of assumptions and notions about who I am. So I have to purge myself entirely of those. I have to let them go. And I have to sit with a true state of single ignorance, admitting that I don't know who I am. I don't know what it is to be a conscious entity. I don't know even what I mean by those words. So now I need to begin to study it. I need to begin to understand for myself. And from that state, and only from that state, without preconceived notions, can you actually read the spiritual teachings and begin to understand them from their perspective? Can you listen to the words of a teacher and begin to understand it from the perspective of that teacher? Because you're not filtering everything constantly through your own preconceptions, through your own beliefs and opinions, which themselves may have no valid basis or criteria whatsoever. So not only does all effective scholarship and education begin with the admittance that I don't know something. For example, if I go you know, to sign up and take chemistry classes, I must know on some level that I don't know chemistry, and therefore there's a desire to learn it. There's a desire to become better at it. I can learn it because I've admitted that I don't know it. In the same way, spiritual education is the same way. Personal education, working on ourself, self-transformation is the same way. I can't begin it until I've admitted that I don't actually know it. If I consider myself to be an authority on the matter for no other reason than that, well, I've lived a certain number of years, so I must know something about life, which doesn't make any sense and doesn't stand up to any basic logical inquiry. If I can't admit that actually I may be wrong about everything, I might be completely wrong about this whole thing about life, about my body, about love, about relationships, about beauty, about goodness, about good and bad. I might be wrong about everything. If we can't do that, we're approaching the spiritual path with a whole bunch of preconceived notions, a whole bunch of conditioning, which is often groundless and baseless. And because of that, we're unable to actually fully begin the path and reap the full benefits of the path, which isn't really moving towards some kind of universal knowledge, at least not at first, but in particular is about moving from that double ignorance to single ignorance so that we know that we don't know. And then in that state, we can begin real cultivation and development. Where do we begin this process of self-examination then? How do we even begin if there's so many things we're, we're double ignorant about? Where do we start in the whole process? And usually from the spiritual perspective, we should start with those things which are the most important in life. I believe it's uh, Plotinus uh, who makes the, the point, and Plato himself may make it in the Alcibiades, that 
we are often the most learned and knowledgeable about some of the most unimportant things in life. We may know a tremendous amount about how to make a good shoe. We might know a tremendous amount about how to cook a chicken. Right? We might know all kinds of things about a, a particular, you know, what kind of tire is best for what kind of terrain, which kind of vehicle is best for what kind of area and geography. We might know all kinds of very specific facts about things that really have very little impact on the whole of our life. Yet when it comes to serious issues like the, the purpose of life, what is the mind? Who am I? What is love? What is a good relationship? What is it to be a parent? How can you be a good parent? What is it to be a child? You know, all these things that we, these most important, most pivotal issues of life, we are often tremendously ignorant of. Yet we have all kinds of opinions and beliefs about them. And this is the issue. Where there's knowledge, knowledge is singular. If there's one knowledge about something, then all the authorities in the room share in their idea about that thing because they're authorities and they know that. And knowledge is unifying by nature. You know the same thing as everyone else who knows that thing. Knowledge is unifying in nature. Opinion, on the other hand, is incredibly divisive. Opinion separates people. Opinion makes people fight, brings people into conflict. Opinion, one person may hold multiple contrary opinions about the same subject. They just don't know it yet because they haven't inquired into it. So the more that we know something, the less opinions we have. People have very few opinions about where the sun is going to rise the next day. People have very few opinions about what phase of the moon it is. Because these are things we can verify and observe very easily. These are things that we know. You probably have very few opinions about what your name is. Because this is something that you know. Yet, when we move away from knowledge, the further we get from our knowledge the more opinions that we have. And the opinions end up multiplying and multiplying. We may hold many, many contrary opinions about one subject. The things that are the hardest in life to know, therefore, such as why are we here, what is our purpose, who am I? These things people have many opinions about and even many contrary opinions. So this is where we begin. We begin with these things, such as what is it to be alive? Who am I sitting here right now? Am I a body? Am I not a body? Is life psychological or is it physical? Is it both? What does that mean even? What is the physical life of the five senses compared to psychological life? Can the five senses be trusted? You know, all these kinds of issues begin to arise when we actually inquire into uh, these most important issues of life. What is love? What is it to be loved? What is it to want to give love to somebody? What is beauty? What is goodness? Is there such a thing as objective goodness or is it completely relative? These kinds of issues are things that we have to start investigating and not just borrowing things that we read in books. That is of absolutely no value. That's just a very fancy looking double ignorance. Not just borrowing someone else's knowledge because that's not our knowledge. We, we don't fully understand it yet. You can't just imitate something that the Buddha said and think now you know it. No, you know what the Buddha said. There's a difference. There's a profound difference actually between knowing what the Buddha meant and knowing what the Buddha said. There's a profound difference between knowing what any master meant, what any scripture meant, and what was actually written or said. To memorize things is easy. Understanding, on the other hand, is quite difficult. And they are not the same things. So part of this process will involve dropping many of uh, much of our acquired uh, perceived knowledge that is really just a fancy-looking opinion. We have an opinion that this author is right or an authority on something. We have an opinion that the statement is probably true, but because we haven't realized it ourselves, it's not real knowledge. Uh, but yet we think we know it, so it's not single ignorance either. 
So therefore, it falls into a kind of double ignorance. Even our own readings and studies that we do, even when we listen to teachers, we need to reflect deeply on the teachings ourselves so that we can come to an understanding ourselves. Only then does it begin to even remotely resemble knowledge. Or in the process of trying to learn it, we can just give up and say, well, I'm just going to go ahead and, and assume that I don't know this, maybe even that I can't know it, and therefore just be fine with that. Maybe the world appearance is here, maybe it's valid, maybe it's not, I don't care. It doesn't really have to affect my day-to-day -day existence or my day-to-day -day life. I would advise most people to either begin with a very apparent external line of inquiry, such as if you're in a relationship with somebody, sit and try to start evaluating your ideas about what a relationship is and what a successful relationship is, what love is, not just with your feelings and what you hope is true, but actually investigating yourself to try to understand it. And then, of course, there's always Atma Vichar for those who want to go deeper to the very heart of the issue, to look and reflect personally on one's own nature and say, well, who am I? But there's other things we can do as well. Where do I go? I can investigate. Where do I go when I sleep? Right? What happens? How come I black out each night for a few hours? Do I actually black out or is there something happening I'm not aware of? How come the dream version of me has totally different ideas about things than the waking version of me does? And so on and so forth. We can begin to inquire and, and deeply examine our motives, our beliefs, our understandings of different things. And only then can we start purifying ourselves from double ignorance to single ignorance, which from the philosophic perspective is a kind of rebirth. It's a kind of total purification, spiritual purification of the soul that ultimately prepares us for real and lasting knowledge. And the chief or most important lasting knowledge, at least for a human being, is self-knowledge. What is it to be? What kind of being am I? What does that mean? I hope you've enjoyed this uh, little examination of this basic kind of classic philosophic issue of double ignorance and single ignorance. If you've enjoyed the video, make sure to like the video and to subscribe to the channel. And I look forward to our next video together. Thank you.